You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. to the next Liz in Detroit show. Um, it's been some time since we last aired and um, had a show, so it's good to be back. Um, working, you know, the last three shows I've been con- concentrating on bringing in influential women in, um, in on the show that are talking about great things that they're doing in the city, kind of in lieu of our current political status. Um, and uh, I am very proud to say that today on the Liz in Detroit show, I have Elizabeth Commence with uh, Broder and Sashi um, Construction Development. But she's going to actually give us her title. So everyone, welcome Elizabeth today to the show. Thanks Yay. for having me, Liz. You're welcome. So my official title is, it's recent. It was actually just announced yesterday in Deep Business. Um, it is the Vice President of Commercial <laughs> Asset Management and Construction. So it is a mouthful. It is. Yes. And I, I was really excited, you know, in lieu of thinking about my shows for 2017 of getting you on, not only because, you know, we've worked together, but um, I think as, as things are changing so much in the city, um, your position and what you're doing in a time now in Detroit is kind of it's 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 twofold of how important it is not only for all the development and construction but also you as a woman being in that position too to me is really important so I I appreciate you saying that yeah I, I feel the same way it's an exciting time to be here and our industry in particular would benefit I think from having more women in mm-hmm. leadership roles we need more so give give us a little background how you came about coming here because you're not of a native Michigander. Um, came about getting working with Broder and Sashi, and then as, as as you just stated, you know your new title in D business and how that all came about because that's also really important, you know, for us to understand. I'm going to just correct you on the pronunciation because it's it's Saxy. Saxy, excuse which me. It's yeah. spelled, it's hard to tell when you look at how it's spelled. I've heard people say it different ways, so I'm like, thank you for correcting Yeah, me. it's Saxy. They always say, like, taxi with an S. Got it. So anyway, okay. that's, I just have to say that. So yes. um, I moved here in fall of 2014. I had been living in my hometown of Minneapolis, working for Heinz, which is, they're also present here yeah, in Detroit. Yeah. I was managing a luxury shopping center for mm-hmm. uh, a real estate investment trust there that was managed by Heinz. So I was working for Heinz in that capacity. And I had started traveling here on and off, and I got hooked by Detroit. So it was really in 2013-14 that I was coming back and forth and fell in love with it. I could see that good things were happening. Mm-hmm. I could see that there was a need, there was potential, and I was ready for a change personally. Mm-hmm. So I tapped my social network, and because I had Heinz colleagues in Detroit, 
it wasn't long before I was connected to Todd Saxe, mm-hmm. and they were looking for someone like me. They were looking for someone who had had deep commercial real estate experience, who had done retail office, industrial, and they were looking for somebody to manage their team of property managers and manage that portfolio. So I moved here at that time, mm-hmm. and I moved into the Broderick Tower. So <laughs> I was living downtown, which was really fun. I enjoyed that. And... I did that role for about two and a half or two years or so. Mm -hmm. And then we had decided as a company to stop focusing so hard on managing other people's real estate third party for a fee Mm -hmm. and start focusing on our development efforts. We were finding that some of our top talent was tied up in third party management when the opportunities that we'd been germinating were suddenly coming into fruition. Mm -hmm. And it was time to, you know, retool and focus on the projects we (coughs) (laughs) focus on the projects that um, that we'd been, Mm -hmm. you know, growing. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're doing now. So we retooled and my role changed from overseeing the commercial property management to overseeing asset management. So I'm tracking our owned properties and how they're performing against the budget, making sure they're still profitable. And then I'm also overseeing a new historic redevelopment project. So it's a property that we own that is on the historic register and we are renovating it and redeveloping it. And that's interesting that you say. So it's like so with this change that the company did, you know, we're we're kind of seeing different levels of real estate kind of blow up and get bigger. It's kind of interesting to hear that they have more or less were kind of consolidating, right? To a certain degree? Yes, I mean part of it was that they had appropriately built up a fee management arm of the business Mm -hmm. during the recession because Mm -hmm. that is a bread and butter operation. So that kept us, kept our top talent employed Mm -hmm. and it was good business. It kept us connected to the community. It kept us in the game Mm -hmm. and it was absolutely the right thing to be doing when they were doing it. And now though things are changing so quickly, it didn't seem like the right move for now in the future. So these projects that they're working on now, these are actually um, communities, buildings that the company itself owns, right? Or yes. as part of in a development team of. Yeah, exactly. So we have a number of different development projects, some in different phases. Sure. So we just opened up the Scott at Brush Park, yes. which opened December 16. Which I need a tour, but I want you to do it. Yes. I don't want anybody else to do it but you. <laughs> I'd love to do it, but you have to yes. bring your swimming suit and your towel because we're opening the pool this weekend formally with a barbecue. Okay, let's give me a month. Okay. <laughs> give me till June. Just do some Pilates <laughs> yes, beforehand. A lot yes. of Pilates. <laughs> so, but we'll do that. We'll we'll make it a. We'll at least get your feet in the pool. I like that. I yes. like that. Yes. So the Scott at Brush Park is on the corner of Woodward and Erskine, mm-hmm. and we have 199 units luxury units, which is mm-hmm. a new offering for Detroit. Um, I mean, not that there aren't other luxury units, but brand new construction just opened now. And we have some amenities that are, aren't present elsewhere. We do have a beautiful outdoor pool deck and spa. We have a state-of-the-art fitness center, dog walk, mm-hmm. pet wash, bike storage. I mean, we went all the way. Through. We have a rooftop deck. Mm-hmm. We invested heavily in art throughout the entire property. It's like an art gallery inside. So yeah. we also I've seen the photos. It's pretty fantastic. Yeah, it it's kind of looks cool. like a hotel. I know. It's actually kind of the idea. And the hospitality yeah. is modeled after a hotel as well. We have um, fifteen thousand square feet of retail and we just did our grand opening for our first retail tenant, which is a dermatology clinic. 
Fantastic. Dr. Carter Snell, and she'll do you know peels, lasers, Botox, what? all of it. Yes. So it's fabulous. That's fantastic. You know. So that's wonderful to watch mm-hmm. that activated. I was driving by last night, and I saw somebody sitting out on their balcony reading, and it felt just really healthy and normal to have that kind of activity happening right there. And it wasn't when I started coming here in 2013. It wasn't that it wasn't conceivable. It just wasn't there. Well, I can speak to that. So you know. For 11 years, I lived across the street from the Scott. Yes. And that space where it is was my dog park. That was my, you know, urban prairie for 11 years for my dogs. It's kind of incredible to see that building come up. And I think a relatively short period of time, really, um, that just transformed that whole, I mean, I think that more made more of an impact of the cityscape of Brush Park than even some of the first um, townhouses did to the south where you know where the uh, um, where the stadium district is because that's really it's setting a new precedent of a kind of development um, for Brush Park. Thank you for saying that. It's yeah. it's exciting for us, and mm-hmm. we also have um, we we were surprised by who came to live there. You know, yeah, when you tell s- us about that. When you sit down and you put on a piece of paper your projections for something, you know you're going to get stuff wrong. Some stuff will be right, some will be wrong. Sure. We, of course, thought there'd be plenty of millennials. Mm-hmm. We figured there would be some empty nesters. Mm-hmm. What we're finding is that there are actual real live children living in the building. Wow. Whole yeah. families mm-hmm. living in the building. And it's, it's wonderful to see. We have really beautiful common areas. Mm-hmm. And to see four-year-old kids in tutus walking through is, it's delightful, it's surprising. And what, what's the actual makeup of uh, sizes of units? We have studios and we have up to a three-bedroom. Oh, wow. So we have also, I, I don't know how surprised some of us were. The studios and one-bedrooms went almost immediately. Sure. And yeah. now the two-bedrooms and three-bedrooms, which are not... A certain kind of person wants either to have a roommate or sure. they have a family right. or they um, they want that much space. Right. But most people don't need that much space and don't mm-hmm. want it. So that, that's actually we're finding has there's less demand for the larger units. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And we're also surprised by the um, diversity of folks that are living there in of all ages. We're also mm-hmm. surprised by the number of people who are even retired or are empty nesters. They're more than we expected. Mm-hmm. Which makes for a more interesting building. Well, again, over the last two to three years in in my business, I've, you know, in various circles outside of the city, the interest for people to want to be there is way different than it was, you know, even five or six years ago. And I think a lot of that has to do with certain developments like the Scott, you know, like the Broderick, like the Whitney, all of those different buildings providing a different level of living experience that we haven't seen in a certain caliber, you know, for so long, you know, it's something that, as you said, like hospitality was a key factor in like the whole setup of, of the residential, um, you know, experience there. And that's huge because that's really what people want. They want to know that they, they will be comfortable, safe, you know, in a great environment, clean environment, new, you know, that's, modern to a certain extent and and fun i mean part of it too is it's a it's important for us to have a non-stuffy environment where the concierge and the property managers are engaged and they're having a good time and they um 
they know the pets' names. I mean, it's we're we're heavily engaged with the the folks that call it home. Do you the hospitality portion of that concierge is that in house or did you bring in? It's in house. That's a Broder mm-hmm. and Sachs employee. We have our own exceptional training program. Exceptional in quotes. That's um, sure. our expectation is that we're delivering an exceptional experience, and mm-hmm. so we have a training program surrounding that to help people understand the people who come work for us to understand what it is that we want to deliver mm-hmm. to the people who live in our buildings. That's fantastic. So that's just one development. Yes. We also, you know, we redeveloped 1214 Griswold into the Albert, which um, has, a, there's been a lot of talk about that over the years. Yeah. And we, it has been a success mm-hmm. and we learned lessons from that whole process the retail on the first floor has been filling in. That took a little longer. We have we started off with Detroit Bikes and Dessert Oasis, a yeah, really great, yeah, mm-hmm. really great mm-hmm. coffee shop, and it's activating Capital Park. But now, recently, we've opened a Sai Thai location, which is offering some Thai food. There's other Thai locations downtown, but Sai Thai. That's huge for that area. It is, and they do deliver, mm-hmm. so that's been a what? huge... So I know, I know. When I was living at the Broderick, every Friday night I would come home and think, oh my gosh, if someone would bring me some Thai <laughs> food right now, that'd be great. But now if I were there, I could have it. Um, we opened La Lanterna, which is an Italian restaurant. It had previously been open on the park, on Capitol Park. Um, it opened in 1956 and then closed. Was that in a different building? The different? Malcolmson Building, Okay, I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. I think or the, yeah. Yeah, okay. I hope I'm right about that. I think so. Or the, what's the other one? The Hemelhock? Not the Hemelhock. Because one of them had like a, re- always for the longest time had a really crazy like formal kind of seating in the windowscape before it got developed. The I was Hemelhock thinking it was there. Washington. Yeah. Okay, so this is. It, they were yeah. on the park. I think yeah. it was the Malcolmson. Anyway, okay. they've reopened mm-hmm. and they're serving, you know, wood-fired pizza and traditional Italian food and they're they're killing it. That's awesome. They're killing it. We also are opening a Bohemian clothing store called Bird Bee. They're just finishing up their build-out right now. It looks great. And then we also have City Bark, which is a pet shop. We've found that most of our residents want to have pets. Mm-hmm. Some cats, but a lot of dogs. Mm-hmm. And it's the first pet supply, you know, upscale pet supply um, opportunity in downtown Detroit. We also opened Bad Luck which is the speakeasy that opened up with a notorious $80. I went just to have that. And it was, it was good. You had the rum. I did. I had several things actually. Me too. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) I've been there a few times and had several things. It's Mm -hmm. wonderful. Uh, One of our friends was visiting recently and said something like this is, this bar is as good or better as anything in New York, Mm -hmm. which we, I I don't disagree, but, um, we're thrilled to have it. And then mm-hmm. we've got one more retail space open there. So if somebody's listening to this and wants to be part of that mix, we still have one 1,600-square-foot retail space on Capitol Park. And we'll make sure that we um, get more information from um, Beth on how to reach out to her for that very want and need at the end of the show, for sure. So Fantastic. that's important. Yeah. So we also are working closely. This is not our development, but we are doing the construction and the management for Cliff Brown, who is with Woodborne Partners, he's developing 12 units and one, uh, 1,500 square feet of retail in the West Village. Mm-hmm. So this is truly groundbreaking. This is through Invest Detroit and Capital Impact Partners. 
Oh, is that the one that's on Van Dyke mm-hmm. and Kercheval, right? Van Dyke and Co. 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 Yes, there is one on Van Dyke and Kercheval. That's Alex DeCamp and Got Rhymer's it. building. Okay. Rhymer is this co- it's a, it is the Co. So it is the Co. This is called the Co. Okay. And this is on Co and Van Dyke. Mm-hmm. It's right behind um, the Banyan building where yes. there is, you know. Red the, Hook. Exactly. Yep. So mm-hmm. it's uh, eight townhomes and four apartments that are above the retail. And what's unique about this development is that it's unapologetically contemporary architecture. I've been watching it co- go up and it's amazing. It, it's going to be great. It yeah. is. You know, it was interesting because we were um, close to the design process and the designer, Hertian, Christian Hertian Associates, they were careful to use materials that were present in the neighborhood but then apply them in a contemporary setting so it's scaled correctly for the neighborhood and Mm -hmm. it will blend but it will still be obviously a contemporary building we weren't trying to mimic anything from the past right and i think it's exciting there were some people it it ruffled feathers Mm -hmm. Um, but as an architecture nerd and an appreciation i appreciate contemporary architecture, I think it's exciting to see going up. It's very exciting. I think that whole neighborhood, it's just, it's really amazing where that has gone. I mean, when I first contemplated purchasing, my first purchase in the city of Detroit back in 2005, I was looking at a house in West Village, actually on um, Parker. And it turned out that another really good friend of mine ended up buying that house. Like, I didn't buy it, but she bought it, so I got to see enough of it. But it was amazing. Like, so, and she ended up getting married and moving like three doors down and was renting her place out. And I remember this was not that far in the distant past where they could. It was like a struggle to get $700 a month for an entire house that was like 2,400 square feet. And just, and even in the last two and a half years, just from things for sale, for things that need a lot of work, just where things have gone in West Village has been tremendous. It's funny because I've had it front row seat, as you know, Mm -hmm. when I was ready to leave the Broderick, I called you and Mm -hmm. you helped me find the house in Indian Village in 2015. So I've been there almost two years now. It's blown, it's blown by. I, yeah, I know. I still have your closing gift. <laughs> I don't believe we'll talk about yeah, that. No such thing. Um, it's the continuation gift. But even two yeah, years. I love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. How about like yeah, the, the two years celebration work? Anyway, right. when I bought that house, the streetlights weren't on yet. I mean, that was still they were still finishing the project of getting the streetlights refurbished and lit up again. So when I moved in. The, the whole neighborhood was still truly dark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And since I've been there, I mean, there were craft work was already open, and so was Vegan Soul, and Red Hook was, was as well. But um, there are, on Kercheval, there's a number of retail oh, yeah. offerings. And that stuff that still hasn't even, you know, that isn't filled in yet that eventually will. Tara Castro lives in the Banyan building and re- she operates... Um, Detroit Body Garage, which mm-hmm. is a fitness center. Yeah, they knew that took over the bank or part the first space. That's bank. right. Yeah, and Amina, Amina Daniels opened up Live Cycle Delight, mm-hmm. which is in the lower level of the Banyan Building. So there's fitness options, and I've been using those. I mean, it's mm-hmm. wonderful for me. I don't. You can walk. I can walk. That's so great. I can walk, and um, Reimer and Alex are, you know, they're tenant the village parlor Mm -hmm. salon is just finishing their build out now and will be open shortly that would be exciting it's it's amazing Mm -hmm. it's amazing and i what i like about it and i think it's true for the co and i think it's true for the scott is that people who are doing this work in the area aren't 
they're not dumbing anything down. Mm-hmm. They're acknowledging that these na- these neighborhoods, wherever they are, deserve good things, and right. they're not backing off on quality, mm-hmm. introducing them. So I'm excited to see that as well. Yeah. You know, that's huge. Um, just seeing within, like, the last even, like, two to three months of some new development that's, you know, smaller little niche stuff, some I'm fortunate enough to be on the sales portion of, but no other agents that are being a part of and part of that's like the island view in the st charles redevelopment you know stuff that i'm working on in brush park and a little bit of stuff in midtown that's like it's it's amazing to me that we're now hit such a caliber where the interest is not just for people that are you know from the city of detroit it's like bringing in so much more interest money and talent for people that are outside of the state um, I don't know how much you're involved with, you know, um, and I'm forgetting about the name where, where the, the, they're bringing De- old Detroiters that maybe grew up in Detroit back in homecoming. homecoming. Thank you. Thank I you. haven't attended yet. You know, I haven't. um, cause I've, I've, you know, been seeing a lot of people trickling in that have attended some of the events and that's like literally giving them. Um, motivation to re- you know to consider moving into back into the city some capacity whether it be for business or to have a place back here because they might still have family here and you know to be close to that it's just it's really encouraging and part of it too I'm excited to see if that will welcome in capital from outside sources because mm-hmm. from a development perspective we still can't simply walk into a bank right. and borrow millions of dollars for our developments. Sure. We're getting closer mm-hmm. to that all the time. But, you know, in development, we refer to the capital stack of what it takes to get a, a development done. So in a healthier economy, like if you're in Chicago or New York mm-hmm. and you have you have land and you have your development costs, you can say, I'm going to build 200 units of apartments on this parcel and I'm going to assume I can get X number of rents and right. you add up the cost of the hammers and the nails and you you pick your year and you go to the bank and you say this will be 10 years this is how much we'll earn and you can get for whatever equity you can put down you can usually get the debt. Here it's difficult to justify what the rents will be and it's getting easier now but traditional banks haven't believed that the rents it's are achievable. Right. Right. And it, it just there wasn't a, there wasn't an example you could point to to say, here's a building that opened and they did get these rents. Mm-hmm. So the first ones in are setting the groundwork for this. Yeah. So like for the Scott, we had to rely on brownfield tax credits. Mm-hmm. We had to rely on um, community development corp grants. So when you look at all of the, you know, the layers that add up to how we got this done, it's like a it's like a layer cake, sure. And that is, it's possible, but it's not necessarily what we want to do forever here. At some right. point, we want to be able to go into a bank and get money to develop these properties. and do it yourself and not rely on right so many external. Because our our company doesn't have the endless resources that other players in the market do, and it's mm-hmm. great that those players do because that has added momentum to the system so other people who have different access to resources can sure. still play but we do rely on things like those those tiffs and other financing you know 
levers that are being pulled through pseudo-government agencies. When the Scott was in inception, you know, to its actual groundbreaking, was was there a lot of convincing needed that a development new construction of that size would be successful based on the t- the number of units because it's a it's a big project you know it was a large project there was and I was not a part of that mm-hmm. so I'm not really comfortable um, speaking to that because I wasn't there for yeah. those conversations mm-hmm. but the answer is yes mm-hmm. yes there was the good news is that um, you know Chase was a lender we also have Fifth Third mm-hmm. there were certain lenders that were already in sure so w- there wasn't as much tap dancing as there might have been okay. So, but for now, for instance, nearby the historic renovation that I'm close to right now, um, it's in the planning phase. Mm-hmm. But we are developing a model for responsible rehabilitation. This is an occupied property, mm-hmm. and we have been working closely with the city to develop a program for those who live in the building. We have to. Um, this is the. I, I don't want to speak too in-depth about it to get ahead of it. Sure. But we have an occupied building we're planning to rehab, and the rehab requires that we um, empty the building because we're completely gutting all Mm -hmm. of the systems. And we are working closely with the city to structure a plan to let everybody um, return to the building basically at functionally the same rent that they've been paying all of these years. It it is. Mm -hmm. So part of it, too, is that even Talk this, about layers. <laughs> it is. It's true. It's true, but it's the right thing to do. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. even though, you know, in Detroit, you may find that you have the right to do certain things, but it's not the right thing to do. Right. So, yeah. we, you know, we're also revisiting, you know, what we're doing, where we're doing it, mm-hmm. and trying to be as innovative as possible as we're going forward and create, you know, fabulous experiences for the people who end up living in these properties so you know improving the amenities and restoring historical details that have been neglected and in some cases are in bad repair so we it's been an exciting place to to do this work because we're doing all kinds i mean right now we're like i said unapologetically modern Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. historic renovations tons of retail leasing it's um it's Growing really fast. It's growing really fast. Now, you mentioned the first tenant for the Scots um, retail, the dermatologist moved in. Do you have, can you speak about other candidates for the other spaces? I can speak in categories. (laughs) That's fine. So we... I know that my, yeah, my to-do list is hit by what's there. Yeah. For sure. So there will be a restaurant that will be... um, I don't know if they would characterize themselves as fine dining, but mm-hmm. it would be, um, you know, small plates, contemporary nice. cuisine, mm-hmm. a place you'd want to go, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guessing. Mm-hmm. And then we're also looking at another restaurant that would be a more casual, not exactly a sports bar, Good. but something that would... We got enough. Yes, but yeah. at the same time, um, it's okay to have places to yeah. hang out casually. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. we're looking at two... Of those types of things. Mm-hmm. Good. And then, oh, well, we actually, I'm sorry, we have another one to formally announce. We are welcoming For the Love of Sugar, which is oh. a bakery that makes the types of cakes you see on TV that are highly innovative and custom. Um, Hence in the name. Yes, For the Love of Sugar, <laughs> yes. So the, um, if you, you can follow them on Instagram, I do. They okay. have... Uh, 
you know, if you've ever watched Cake Boss or any of those yeah. types of, yeah. you know, really inventive cakes, that will be operating right out of the Scott there. So going forward, that's where I will be ordering my cupcakes. That's amazing. Cakes. Yeah, I'm not past the bread maker where you just pour in the mix and it comes out done. Thank you. Yeah, I wish yeah. that I could say that cooking yeah. was a skill of mine, but mm-hmm. it's not. Not baking. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now with the... The, the rehab building that you're mentioning um, with those tenants. I want to speak to that because on a smaller scale, you know, as I used to do a lot with rental um, back in the early 2000s when there w- weren't a lot of agents pushing living within the city of Detroit. I had uh, great ties to the number of buildings that offered residents or living in the city. Like you could name them on both hands. You know, and to navigate your way through the city to find these places, which was a lot more difficult. And it was a great way to, you know, learn about the city in in a whole different way, even having grown up in it, you know, just to get through all these buildings. But now, as we see so many things changing and, you know, and buildings being renovated and and with that coming the higher rent roll. I find it's really important to do what you're doing on that development because there's so many people that shouldn't be forced to move away because what is being built is going to be beyond their reach financially. Like there's that make creating that meld for people that have been here for such a long time, be able to stay here and have a nice clean place, like not fight over not having heat and different things like that. Um, It's funny because one of my other friends, and clients is the attorney for the, like the commercial blight for the city of Detroit, and I can't wait. Hopefully, I can have her on, and she can talk about some of it. But it's like it's it's true. It's like you know we've we've come a long way with trying reinforcing a lot of stuff in the residential end, but on the commercial end, it's a completely different ballgame. And I mean, I can't tell you how many times I get phone calls from people that you know of a certain income and where can they live because they've been pushed out. Um, to, you know, out of where they were living in the city. So being able to provide clean, safe residences for them to be able to remain and still affordable is so important. Yeah, it's one thing that is clear is that there isn't enough housing generally. I mean, I was at a breakfast last Thursday put on by the AGC, ACG. I'm going to kick myself later for, um, (laughs) I was... It was invited by Clark Hill to to attend, and mm-hmm. um, some of the people on the panel were, you know, Eric Larson from the DDP and mm-hmm. Dave Blaskowitz from Invest Detroit, um, and they were talking about some stats. I'm doing this off the top of my head, but the stat was that between '93 and 2003, not a single unit of multifamily housing was built in the city of Detroit. That's so crazy. And in 2003 to 2013, it was something like 540, something like that. Yeah. So for 20 years, there were 540 units mm-hmm. of new construction in the city of Detroit. And then if you add on to that, the abandonment of properties or just the functional obsolescence that has come from you know, no sprinkler systems or fires right. or whatever's been just left to you know deteriorate, yeah. That there isn't enough housing, and so the people coming back into Detroit have quickly, you know, squeezed, squeezed out yeah. what was left. So, for instance, we keep a really tight eye on what the vacancy rates are in the Midtown neighborhood and then adjacent neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. There's really very few apartments available to anybody right, right now. Yeah, 
So I know some people are concerned that there's a bubble here and that there's oversupply, but I, I really genuinely don't think so. Not from the calls that I get. You know, there's still people on the, the search. I mean, even even for Wayne State, you know, how many parents do I get calls from like now through September who, you know, they, there's not enough places, there's not enough dorm space for incoming and, for, and freshmen, let alone... Which maybe in the past, Wayne State made the right calculation because right. people didn't want to stay. They right. wanted to you know, they commute yeah. into Wayne State and go home mm-hmm. to the suburbs or wherever they were. They didn't want to live in Midtown, and now they do. Mm-hmm. And it, the, So then you have... It takes time to build a property, sure. and it takes kind of Byzantine capital steps <laughs> to get it actually accomplished and get it financed. Yeah. So it, it, this isn't a problem that can be fixed overnight. Right. And every it, the, we have very, very smart people in influential seats mm-hmm. who are well aware of the circumstances and are working on it. But, but this is a slow process. Yeah. And the other piece is that some people, and I, I hate to speak anything into existence, but mm-hmm. um, there's always a, it's always a right to ask how long a certain economic trend can continue. Right. You know, that's right. also part of it is that some outside investors don't know how they feel about Detroit. They don't know what they think about our cycle. Right. They don't know what they think about the national cycle. Right. And so <laughs> it, it's... So it's a lot to navigate. There's a lot to navigate. And so I think that we can expect there this to be a problem for a while. Mm-hmm. And the leaders of the city need to act on what they need, you know, what... And they are. I, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say more. Much right. more but the, right. I mean, I think it's a real problem. Yeah. The rising rents. And I mean, it's a problem. And it's not a problem in the right. sense that, you know, from a developer's hat, for me to sit in my seat, I can say this is good because the rising rents will allow us to actually get financing to build more housing. And that's what we do. And that's what's needed. Right. So that's great. Yes. But um, then there's the other side of the coin. Right. Right. Which is real, too. Mm-hmm. And making, you know, and, and having the type of progression, which I know that that scares a lot of people, is having it um, benefit the neighborhoods surrounding the core. You know, have it go and extend to areas of Rosedale Park, Grandmont, Rose, you know, yeah. Grandmont, Rosedale, um, and even as far as, you know, the east side, English, East English Village and other parts, um, Jefferson, Chalmers, like seeing a lot of those... Um, you know, areas of the east side fill in, not even to mention, you know, parts of the west. Yeah, I'm hearing I'm hearing people just anecdotally excited about East English Village and Jefferson mm-hmm. Chalmers, too. I have a girlfriend who's been looking at something in Jefferson Chalmers that includes a, a commercial property that includes boat slips. And she's it's like, what? Yeah, like, what can yeah. I do? You know, she's envisioning something amazing there. So I think people are getting creative. And that that is natural too i mean even so as people talk about getting pushed out of midtown and downtown as renters in their homes but also developers get pushed out as well Mm -hmm. because you know you at some point you can't afford to develop and so the neighborhoods start to look good and what's nice is that right now the city has designated hot spots that they're sort of you know putting their thumb on the scale to to say okay we're going to focus and one of them happens to be west village which is exciting to me as a you know it's my it's my neighborhood right so the city is directing energy and funds to help make sure properties can get rehabilitated and that shops can open and that there is more housing. It it seems to be effective. I've watched I watched stuff light up in the last yeah. two years that I've been there. Well, I'm excited on that note. I just um, got a listing contract signed for a great eight-unit building on Van Dyke 
that I'm going to be putting on the market for redevelopment. So, oh, really? Yes. So I'm I'm very excited. Um, the partners, uh, one part of the the two member partner team um, I've worked with as a previous client and um, loved working with them and to have the opportunity. And when they asked me to list this property, meant meant a great deal. So I'm very excited to have that officially under contract and I'm working on getting my last minute photos so I can actually get it up and listed. But I knowing what happened on some recent similar multifamily stuff get listed and how quickly they flew off. I'm really excited and hope that it will be it's a type of project that needs somebody to bring it back to life. They're all small units, um, but it's got ample parking. How small? Um, All one bedrooms. One bedrooms are highly desirable yeah yeah and we talked about that earlier yeah, at the and it's got parking let's it's like it's let's a great talk. space we're gonna when, talk when the microphones <laughs> go off i actually i actually know somebody who's okay. i know somebody specifically who's looking for something exactly like what you have fantastic yeah so that's yeah. so okay well yeah. that's that's notable <laughs> that's quite notable. yes yeah <clears throat> we um we have other stuff going the other thing that's interesting is that we're talking constantly you know just like you're saying you have new listings we are constantly staying aware of what is available and Mm -hmm. we have conversations pretty regularly about what could we do right here's this here's this property here's Mm -hmm. this building here's this neighborhood here's what it is what what could it be and so it's actually that's one of my favorite parts right now is to engage in those conversations and start to look at um what is possible and the amount of creativity available right now i mean possible here isn't really I mean I guess it could be possible elsewhere but you can do it on a different scale here you know oh, it's for sure. more people can participate in in the process here well I mean speaking to that note you know I have developed a really good friends with a couple that are working on some concierge boutique hotel concepts and they came from New York and um just got back from New York where I was um last weekend after having not been to New York in 25 years and just seeing like it's amazing like I loved it when I went 25 years ago because my sister lived there and I helped her move a lot and it was like it was a it was a definitely a grittier dirtier New York but it was still so much fun but seeing it now oh my god it's like it's yeah it's completely transformed and but from their perspective, these friends that have now moved here, they see the potential that Detroit has where it's kind of been exhausted without so much money to be able to do that now in New York. Like it's gotten so expensive, you know, and the surrounding boroughs have been developed. So it's like I, I love that they look at Detroit as this amazing untapped frontier because on so many levels it still is for for restaurants, for hotels, for businesses, like unique concepts, you know, um, you know, as much as we want to keep the anchor of uh, many of the big chains in, just the, just having people have great concept for new businesses, be able to flourish in the different um, contests and organizations that are here in, in, in Michigan to support them is just, you know, amazing. And people are seeing that. They're, they're taking notice for this to be a place for that to happen. So. It's interesting. My, I have so many thoughts from what you've said. You said so much, and I have so much to respond to. But um, this weekend, my mom, who lives in Las Vegas, we are, I called her for Mother's Day, and she said something like, well, Detroit seems to be the hot spot. She said, you knew that, didn't you? So she wasn't 100% um, supportive of my move here. I had, you know, I grew up in Minneapolis, which mm-hmm. is economically, it's the, it, Minnesota's the wealthiest per capita state in the upper Midwest. 
And Minneapolis is always listed as the number one place to raise your kids, fittest city, most educated city. You know, well, it's, Mall of America. Well, yeah, and <laughs> of course. And actually, if you live there, you have to hate on it unless you're me, and then you shop there. So that's I, like the one native Minnesotan who is all about the Mall of America. Because it's, um, I don't want to get off topic yeah, here, yeah. but it's kind of amazing. Anyway, so I, you know, I went there, I went to college in Madison, Wisconsin, and I started my real estate career in San Francisco. So I've pretty much lived in very nice places. Mm-hmm. I studied abroad in London. So these are all places that are economically healthy, expensive sure. cities, mm-hmm. but, um, but beautiful, lovely tourist destinations. You know, people get excited about them. And so then I opted to move to Detroit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I, I knew what I was looking at for some of the same reasons you talk about your friends from New York who can see it as a frontier. I knew what I was looking at. And the other thing I liked about it was that I felt it still felt real. Sure. And I had watched a lot of things that I loved about my hometown shudder. Mm-hmm. and reopen as Apple stores or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And I think years and times people talk about Royal Oak and how cool it used to be, and now it's you know, kind of become something else, you know, and I, I can relate to that. I watched that happen, too. And I know for native Detroiters, there's a similar feeling. Sure. That people are feeling like they've lost something and yeah. that all of this comes at a cost. And so there's part of me that has is coming here along on this wave as a new Detroiter, and I'm sensitive to that too mm-hmm. because this place didn't I mean people will say they want to save Detroit and others say it didn't need saving and I, right. I've just kind of sat back because it's not my debate I'm just mm-hmm. new here but um, there, I still feel like there is amazing potential if you are an entrepreneur and you're coming from a city where you, you can't afford to open up a storefront in San Francisco mm-hmm. right. but, but you can here right. and you might even participate in a contest through Motor City Match or through right. Soup or something mm-hmm. and get some seed money to get mm-hmm. going and that is that's exciting. I think there's a lot of really smart people attracted to the city yeah. for those reasons. And what's, there's the new cup, or contest uh, the, that it was just announced that Gilbert might there are, the Quicken might be a founder for it, which is actually offering a, a ton of money towards multiple uh, winners. I know. It's amazing. It's like crazy. It's amazing. And and fantastic. Why not? Yeah, exactly. Why not? If you have it, you know, if they, yeah. can, if they can do it, why not? Exactly. And why not throw your hat in the ring, too? I can't can. think of a better way to promote the opportunities that are here and just get get people looking and interested. And yeah, I, I also wanted to address the... Um, the opening of the queue line yes. last week. Mm-hmm. So I just want to compare it to Minneapolis because mm-hmm. in, in my hometown, when they were putting in the light rail, mm-hmm. which it was longer, it was actually you know, with federal funds and then state funds. And there is a regional transit authority there. So there's some really major differences on why they're able to get a longer line. The line opened from downtown Minneapolis out to the airport and it did go to the Mall of America. Too. That was a stop. <laughs> Anyway, the point is, is that it went down this nasty industrial corridor. This Hiawatha was the name of the, the road. And there was never really any reason to go down Hiawatha unless you were in a semi-truck delivering flour or whatever okay. they were doing there. I don't, well, anyway, now, of course, it's all apartments sure. and uh, retail. And it's completely changed the, you know, that corridor and the neighborhoods adjacent to it. And I'm sure you've heard the term transit-oriented development. Yeah. But... There are whole funds and investors who specifically look for projects that are proximal to transit, mm-hmm. and then they invest their money there. So I, 
I am really bullish on the Q line. Mm-hmm. It's been interesting to watch what the haters have been saying. But from my perspective in a development seat, I know there are people who have checkbooks sure. out for mm-hmm. projects that are anywhere near anything that looks like a light rail. And it's- well, and that's the hope. I think it wasn't so much, you know, is it going to be the ridership or what? No, it's what having that accessibility do to that area and how that will help promote everything along it and, you know, not too far away from it. And that's it's it's another economic, you know, sim, um, stimulator for the city that kind of that it needs. We all want it to go longer. We all want it to be on on, you know, on Gratiot, on Michigan Avenue to Jefferson. connect those things. Yes, of course, on Jefferson. But it's, you know, the fact that it's there, I'm, I'm, I've am I'm always been ahead so far of all the test runs of the car. <laughs> I hope I don't come close side by side of one to know, like, how to keep straight and maneuver around the lanes. But I, uh, yeah, I think it's fantastic. I just feel, I mean, I don't have a crystal ball. Yeah, Actually, I do have a crystal ball, but I, <laughs> you've been to my house, I've seen it, I actually do have one. But um, I I don't know what's going to happen exactly, mm-hmm. but I want to just throw out a prediction <laughs> on the topic. I yes. think that whatever they have, the people behind the queue line, mm-hmm. whatever pre- predictions they had, whatever projections were for ridership into the future, I predict that they will be broken immediately. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, like in Minneapolis, Within the first year that that line opened, they had already exceeded their seven-year projection. That's amazing. And everyone was shocked by it. And Mm -hmm. it also led to a second line that connected downtown Minneapolis to St. Paul because it was so successful so immediately. So I'm expecting to see something like that. I only think it might even be greater than that. I really hope so. I I really do. I do, too. That's just my prediction. We'll see what happens. Exactly. But I feel really positive about that as well. And as much as I don't want to end our conversation, because I know we can go on for a while, that's a great way to end things. Is That's a very good prediction, I think, to have. And that'll lead me into talking actually about uh, the, the real estate that I've been doing. And um, I'm very proud to say that um, the spring season is here. And with the last time that I was on the show, I announced... Um, getting involved with a couple of niche developments in the city, one in Midtown at 658 West Forest, and we've already got one of those units under contract and are working towards finishing up the remaining units there. So please contact me if you're looking for a place in Midtown um, because I still have those units available. We've had a readjustment on the price point, which will hopefully be more favorable for people who have been looking in the city. So again, contact me on those. Also in the the exclusive niche development that I'm doing in Brush Park, just north of the Scott, the Kellerman, um, we've already got one unit of the three under contract there, which is very exciting. It's a much higher end. You know, I think it's going to break the mold for an eco-friendly kind of development um, with what they have to offer. The remaining units priced, you know, between five ninety six and six hundred and ten thousand, but it's offering larger living spaces two parking spaces, storage, high efficiency from heating and cooling costs to windows to exterior, you know, um, metal roof. It's pretty fantastic. And then, you know, to fill in the blanks from there, I still have um, units along the Jefferson Corridor coming up at Indian Village Manor that I'm very excited about. Yes. And even a little bit further connecting me further down the east side is um, the Morgan Waterfront Estates. Um, with the beautiful uh, 
you know, three to 14,000 square foot homes. Dock there. access? Yeah. Well, we're, I'm working on that. Um, working on that. There is a dock for units that are, the homes that are being built on the western side, but there can very well be a way to dock boats if you get to know your neighbors because it's a very long, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, boat access along that whole canal. So, yes, there is a way to make that work. Um, and also on the smaller scale, still have some great rentals coming up in in Eastern Market come July, a great two-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath rental for 2300 a month. Um, and um, I've already got one unit that I had pre-leased, uh, or I should say was coming up in about 30 days, but we already got that lease. We're sending out a contract today. So lots of good things. It's the springtime. I'm working with a lot of great new clients that are looking at properties in Detroit and in around. So it's just very encouraging. Is as slow as things may be moving right now, it's kind of a it's a weird, really weird time. That, that energy and the people that are you know wanting to be here is still very very strong. But we're definitely getting to that point where there's very specific tastes of the market that people are looking for that they might not even see yet. So mm. again, with a lot of this new development that's coming on, I'm really encouraged that we, we are seeing things change on on what people will spend based on what they want in the city of Detroit. So it's very exciting. So again, Beth, thank you so very much. Thank you so for much being for on the show today. Me. And for people who are interested in the retail spaces that you have, how, how best can people reach out to you on that, please? The best way would be to call our main office, which I never give out this number because I'm always giving up my own number, but <laughs> um, I'm blanking right now on what the actual main line is. That's okay. We can look you up, though, right? Yeah. You can email me at E-K-M-E-T-Z at B-R-O-D-E-R-S-A-C-H-S-E dot com. It's a mouthful, <laughs> um, but it's E-Kometz at yes. BroderSaxe dot com. Perfect. Thank you. Thank and for all of you out there, remember, this is the Liz in Detroit show. You can reach me on Facebook, Liz in Detroit, Twitter, Liz in Detroit, as well as my website, which I promise that the new website's coming out very soon, LizInDetroit.com. And always shoot me an email at LT at LizInDetroit.com. Thanks again and look forward to talking to you again in the next show.